Okay. Yep, it's recording at that point, then I'll edit it and stuff, and then, all right, are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, good evening, everybody, on this wonderful Labor Day. This is the Ranting Ron Show, and I'm with my friend Joe Biscaglia. Biscaglia, I, is that how you say it? Biscaglia, Biscaglia. Biscaglia, the, the G pretend, Yeah, pretend the G's not even there. I tell you what, it's a nightmare for uh, telemarketers. When I was growing up, I heard a lot of different pronunciations over time. Oh. Yeah, well, they can't pronounce Smith at the time. I'm sorry, but <laughs> it was Biscalia. And you know, I yeah, you're good. That. I should have known that from all those years on a WGR show, listening to you uh, go on and talking football and stuff for a while. And you, you moved around uh, a lot the last few years. You went from yeah. a sideline reporter, which I think then Sal Capaccio, who's on my show recently, he took over for you when you went to director of Channel 7, and now you're uh, a writer for The Athletic. How things are going? A, yeah, things are great. You know, um, I, I really – have loved every single one of my stops just because, you know, I, GR was awesome because it's where I cut my teeth. It was funny. I was just actually texting with uh, my old boss who's, who's now a a program director in Cleveland and um, just kind of, just kind of thinking about the past. And he was the first one that gave me a shot and, you know, just kind of building up and covering the bills for them. Alan, right? uh, No, it was uh, Andy Roth. Oh, Andy Andy Roth. Roth. Yeah. Yeah. I was a while ago. All yeah, right. that was a while ago. He left probably 2012 or 13. So yeah, we, we were actually just texting about within the last hour. Um, and then, uh, and but, you know, once Channel 7 gave me the opportunity it, it, and wanted me to do essentially the same like in-depth stuff as I, as I was for GR and just wanted to teach me TV, I'm like, well, I, I, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. And that was just amazing to work for them, you know. Um, I now have lifelong friends from there. Matt Bovee is, yeah. is one of my favorite people in the world. Um, I'm so happy for him and all his success there. And they, they gave me absolutely every single chance to, you know, do exactly the job that as, as I saw fit. Um, did podcasting for a TV station, which was very much a first um, in, in Buffalo. Uh, and, you know, continued the writing, even though in TV – with TV, the writing isn't usually a thing, uh, as big of a thing. But um, but the, the the opportunity at the athletic was was a, just a dream come true. Um, and when you have the opportunity to like like for instance, the the person who called me to see if I was interested was the longtime editor in chief of Sports Illustrated. And I'm just like, are, are you sure you have the right number? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know what you're doing talking to me. Um, but you know, just the, uh, how much, how much they, they value just the analysis and, and the, and giving the resources to do all these different things, like, and being able to do it for a, a national syndicate. I mean, that I never thought I would get there, you know, starting a, as a part-time board up at GR. And it's just, I, I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful for, for everything. And that's why I went and you know, when I was talking with my boss from GR within the last hour, I'm just like. I don't think I would be here if it, if it weren't for you believing in me. So, um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very, very thankful for how everything has turned out. Yeah, now it comes full circle because you're with me. And, you know, this is the right Yeah, thing. exactly. No, exactly, Ron. I'm not trained run sports. I, do, I had, had them on here. Uh, <laughs> Maniac, oh, Mani- I, Maniac's a great yeah, guy. Love yeah, him. And, you know, I just uh, – Oh my gosh, the writer Lindsay D. D-, D- yeah, yes, oh, Lindsay Archangelo. She and her, I had them both on at one time. We were talking women's sports and stuff, and a lot of stuff was going on, you know. 
So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been, you know, great. I'm having a lot of fun with it. And I'm just sitting here in my basement hoping I get to break that sale. God saying, hey, we're about to sign Tara Owens. But, you know, I remember one thing when you were with WGR was you um, were, you know, you go on once or twice a week. I don't know how you're on, but you were talking, you were not happy when we drafted the quarterback from Florida State back in <laughs> 13, 13, 2013. Yeah, uh, that's right. So, and you said, well, before that, you're saying if we, you're not gonna like him. You're very animated because of his. If I want to say his footwork, um, you didn't like his footwork, and you just, mm-hmm. you just, you watched him. Did, did you go to Florida State? I did. I went for, okay. went there for a couple of years. I wasn't there when he was there, but no, uh, but, but you watch. Yeah, I sure did. Um, you know, you were like, you're not gonna like E.J. Manuel. You're not, you're not gonna like, you're not gonna like him here and stuff. <laughs> and when, um, when he do that winning touchdown pass versus the Carolina Panthers. And Murphy goes, Buffalo Bills, we finally have a quarterback. And I'm like, I hope Joe's wrong here. (laughs) But uh, you ended up being right. Now, you were probably hoping you'd be wrong, but uh, the Bills fan. Yeah. You're right. I I mean, I wasn't wasn't about to take a victory lap about it, but, you know, you just get a – you just just get a sense when when you watch some of these guys. And, I, I, you know, just some history on me when when I was young – um, the NFL draft is really where I really started getting heavy into heavy into football, into watching and the scouting and all of these different things. And, you know, just going back and watching games upon games upon games that were uh, available. And then once, you know, uh, ESPN started logging their games on, on ESPN three back then, that, that was a huge thing. And now people are doing cutups on, on YouTube and now all 22 film is available. So it's just, uh, it's really cool to have seen that evolve, but the more that you watch the film, you you, you pick up on things. And you know, EJ's you you hit it nail on the head. His footwork wasn't great, uh, and you his accuracy. Nailed, I just remember you saying it. <laughs> uh, his his accuracy waned because of it, but uh, but yeah, he uh, it, it was it was an overreach. That was that was a reach of a pick, and it's never a good thing when you trade back in the first round to take your quarterback. Yeah. Not usually working out for the team when they do that. And that probably goes down as the worst dra- uh, history of quarterback draft. It's got to be the worst. It's not a quarterback that came out of there, what, five were taken in the first round? I can't remember. Oh, no, 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 I think EJ might have been the only one. In the first round? I'm, oh. I'm, if I'm not mistaken, because that was the Geno Smith yeah, and Geno Matt Smith Barkley. Yeah, first overall, and that just didn't happen. Yeah, he went in the second round, oh, okay. and Barkley, Matt Barkley went in the fourth round. He was that draft. There was Tyler Wilson in that draft, who was just a complete bomb. Um, Mike Glennon was in that draft. Uh, I'm fairly certain EJ oh, was the first one taken. Okay. Um, was Locke in that draft? No. Jake, uh, are you talking about Jake Locker? Yes, yeah, Jake Locker. No, no. He was, uh, he was the year after that because – like um, that year, Christian Ponder from Florida yeah. State was also drafted. He went to Minnesota, right? So, right. I'll just say that that was the worst. You know, Buffalo wasn't going to win a quarterback no matter what who they drafted that year. So, yeah, that's just what happened. So, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, Allen's working on his footwork. He's look, he's looking pretty good in practice. So we'll see where uh, he's going to go. But uh, as far as his career is going to go, but so far promising with him. So you know, yeah. but um. All right, so let, let's let's get to this. Uh, so the, the Buffalo Bills recently uh, extended Trey White, which you know, we're yeah. all totally happy about that. Right? I didn't know it. I found like four hours later, and I'm usually on top of this stuff. For some reason, I didn't get the ESPN pop up on my phone and tell me, so I don't know. Maybe they found out late. Some, somebody else said something about Trey White, and I'm mm-hmm. looking it up, and 
you know, okay, great. Besides, okay, we signed a great player. We believe he's going to be a great player uh, for a while. And we didn't, he still got another year anyway. So this picks up afterwards, right? And what does this mean to the organization, though, that uh, Brandon Bean did this? That our, what, what does it mean, like, to our organization that, you know, hey, we took this guy. He wants to be a long time. We're showing him, you know, I mean, as far as I know, Bean doesn't, did not get an extension yet, but he will. I mean, he just, yeah. coach. I mean, I can't believe he won't. What does this mean to an organization to take someone who might be our best player on our team and extend them that long? Well, it, it means just it, the, the meaningful. It, it's so incredibly meaningful because, you know, for, for years and years, players would look to the end of their rookie deals and then look to get out of Buffalo. There were some exceptions to the rule, like Marcel Darius resigned. That ended up being not a great decision because he, you know, didn't take it too seriously after that. Um, Cordy Glenn was another one that they drafted and re-signed, but, uh, but that ended up going, you know, south uh, as he continued along in Buffalo. But I think the message behind it is that the Bills are building something pretty good here. And a lot of these young guys, they, they see the talent in different little pockets of, of the locker room. I think, you know, Tredavious White was – excellent today when when speaking with reporters he went on for probably a good 25 30 minutes and you know he, he said he looks around and sees uh you know a, a cornerstone middle linebacker and Tremaine Edmonds a stud defensive tackle and Ed Oliver and both of those guys are 22 years old and so you're just going to see them continue to grow Tredavious White's only 25 Milano is you know 26 years old there's there's all of these really young, good cornerstones. And then you throw on the offensive side If Josh Allen ends up hitting. That's uh, that's another thing. So Tredavious White believes in what they're doing. And that in itself is significant because heck, I don't even know that the front office themselves believed in what they were doing before Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott got here. Um, certainly not the players and, and definitely not the fans from that perspective. I mean, it, it just seemed like every year they were going willy nilly and, uh, just, you know, one year, oh, yeah, we're just going to chuck a huge contract to Charles Clay to, to make sure the Miami Dolphins doesn't match the offer sheet. And, you know, while he was a, an okay player, uh, it was just a, a horrendous contract that ended up biting them for years upon years. So uh, I think I think it's significant that the Bills are onto something. The players feel it. They are fully acclimating themselves to what the expectations are in Buffalo. The expectations are rising as they should, as good NFL teams do. And so from here, it's just a matter of them capitalizing on it. And a lot of that has to do with the quarterback, but you know, if they can sustain themselves on defense over time, which is difficult, more difficult than it is to, to do on offense, just because it's a lot more random on defense than it is offense. Um, but even, even that said, if they're a, top five to top 12 defense year in and year out, they're going to give themselves a chance to win. And then it's all on the quarterback to, to take them through from there. Right. You know, I, Bean has to be our best GM since Pauline. And I don't know, I, and I'm, again, I've been watching the Bills since 1979. So I don't know if Bean and uh, Pauline probably was our best GM ever. I mean, I, I guess because of how good we were. So Bean maybe, you know, catching up to that. I, you know, but since Pauline, Bean's got to be the best. I mean, it seems like they, him and McDermott, this is what we're doing. They, they know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bagulas are letting them to take take control of the ship. We won't talk about their sports team right now, but they, they're letting the – they say, hey, here, you guys are in charge. And it seems like they know exactly – we trust them. The trust the process is more than just a catchphrase. 
it, it seems like they can't do everything they do. Well, they took out. I did not. I did not want Josh Allen to go into that. I wrote on my truck or leave my house. I was going to watch it with some friends up at a local establishment. And I wrote, no, anyone but Allen. Literally. Anyone but Allen. <laughs> I got home, crossed it off. I crossed it off. And I was so mad for days. <laughs> because you know, I, I know more than any GM in the NFL. So, you know, <laughs> you know, you know and, <laughs> aside, I don't know how you felt that day, but you know 99% of, you know, and we were talking, I remember GR, uh, Jeremy was saying, well, imagine if we come here tomorrow and they drafted Josh Allen, how people are going to feel. And I don't think they yeah. thought they were going to draw, you know, and I, that's why I'm not an NFL GM. No, he's not yeah. great yet, and it may not end up working at all. I mean, he might mm-hmm. pop. I mean, we don't know. We never know. But, you know, Bean is really establishing something here. And talk more about the defense. So he signs to White, you know, he drafted uh, – at Oliver, and we know he had some issues this summer, and it looks like that was all cleared up great. It was yep. – we'll let that go, but that was all uh, – Edmonds, you said he was 22, but I thought he was like 20 or so. I thought he was, I thought we drafted him when he was like 18, so I, I, something like that. But He was drafted when he was, when, he, when he was 19. I'll look up his exact age, but go uh, ahead. Sorry. Somebody, I know he was young. We were surprised how young he was, and this is going to be his third year, right? So uh, yeah. So time flies. This is at Oliver's second year. So this defense – there, there's no reason not to think that they can't be the top five, if not the best in football. I don't know. I can't think of Houston might be better than us, maybe. Um, but we should have, you know, with the top three in the AFC, definitely top five in the NFL. Yes. Um, you, you know, they are on paper pretty deep, and they they do have you know slight depth issues. But if you're just looking from starting lineup from one to eleven, they're they're pretty solid. I think. I think their weakest spot right now might be at uh, cornerback outside of Tredavious White. You know, Taron Johnson is a good tackler um, at nickel, but I, I don't always love him in coverage. Um, it's to be determined on what Levi Wallace and Josh Norman will be this year. Uh, but, you know, they do have one of the most underrated safety pairs in the NFL in, in Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. And Micah Hyde is – I think one of the most underrated players in the entire NFL, if I'm honest, you know, he is for me on the short list of, of people uh, on this team that I think they would miss the most if, if they had to get injured. Uh, he just changes the complexion of how offenses attack them. I mean, he is so savvy as a free safety and his instincts and how he reads plays teams do not try to go deep on the bills all that often. And the reason for that is because of Micah Hyde. Um, so I, he is, he is vitally important to, to what they do, but the defense, it should be, it should be a good one. you know, it's, it's always tough year to year to prognosticate how, who's going to be a good defense, who isn't everything like that, because a lot of the, a lot of the times it's just so random because turnovers, interceptions, fumbles, the way the ball bounces so incredibly random and it can change the game like that. So, um, so yeah, they, they do on paper have every chance to become a, a top five defense in the NFL. It's just a matter of getting more pressure on the quarterback, which they hope Ed Oliver will help in that respect. Same thing with Mario Addison and Quentin Jefferson and Vernon Butler, all these pieces that they added. And then of course, you know, turning the ball over uh, a bit more than they did last year. So I think those will be the two big keys for them. Yeah. Oh, well, hopefully. Right. Because they're, they're fun to watch. I mean, you know, they might mm-hmm. have the defense of the 88 Bills right now. And those uh, Super Bowl teams that, Everyone talks about the Bills' offense those years. And I don't know how old you were back then. How much of the Super Bowls you were watching? Um, I, was, I think I was. I think I was four. Okay, so <laughs> I was in my twenties. Oh, geez, you're a kid. Um, I feel so old. No, uh, but I mean, you know, we look forward to that Bills' defense. Everyone talks about the offense, the, the K guy. Every 
you know, growing up watching it, but that team, yeah. Smith and them, I mean, there's no Italian. I mean, that was the best team never to win the Super Bowl. And but in my, you know, I'm not, I'm being biased, maybe, but you know, out of all the teams that never won a Super Bowl, the the '91 team might be the best ever to never win a Super Bowl. And um, and I, I'm hope I'm, I want to see the Bills now. And I look at last year, and I think the loss to Houston would be some great growing pains for Allen because. He had the 16 nothing lead, and people get mad at me and say, hey, he gave him a 16 nothing lead. I don't care if there were field goals or not. There were 16 minutes left. In the end, I believe something – I don't know how our defense ended up failing that, and I kind of not blame them, but they kind of fell apart. The big third and long uh, that the uh, the quarterback did, the Houdini trick, all of a sudden that for some field goal range. We could have won. Allen, they fell behind 19-16. Allen took him back down the field to tie it up. He took him down the field for game-winning field goal position, so the referee made up some fake call that wasn't there. And I get steamed whenever I think about that, that a referee, to me, I, I don't like to blame refs, but I am telling you the refs cost us that game because we were in field goal position in the phantom call. So I think Allen grew, or probably the team grew a lot. It reminded me a little bit of the, the Cleveland Browns game back in 89. Um, the, everyone talked about Ronnie Harmon catch. I was at that game. I didn't even know that about that drop. I knew it was a drop, but where I was in the opposite end, until I got home and days later I'm watching footage, you know, we didn't have access like we do today. I had to wait for people mm-hmm. to talk about the Rodney Harmon drop. And ESP, oh, I'm sorry, Sports Illustrated had a picture, and they show him. And to this day, I try to prove that if he catches that ball, I still don't think he gets two feet in. But, you know, that's an argument for another day. But I look at that team so close. But that team, the way they lost that game, that ramped them to the next four Super Bowls, in my opinion, because that they learned a lot from them. That ended the victory Bills. That brought them mm-hmm. together. And this is still early on in these guys' career, but watching that loss last year in Houston, how they were up, they fell behind. Allen took them right back on the field late, 50 seconds left, throw them down the tire, and pretty much almost, you know, put up a field goal position to win. So I'm hoping that that game sparks into the them that saying the we're this close. I think, I think the close, I think, I know Kansas City and Baltimore are going to be really tough, but I don't see no reason why, you know, we can't be an AFC championship game. Yeah, I, I think I think Pittsburgh will be up there this year. I think they they have a really good defense and their offense is back, obviously, and, and healthy again. Uh, but uh, to your point, you know they should learn something from a loss in the playoffs. This is now their their second lo- opening game loss in the playoffs in the last three seasons, and you know there there are some carryover players, not a ton, but there are some from that 2017 team as well. So now they just have to learn. And it, it really all boils down to Josh Allen. I mean, I know you brought up the, the third and long play that, that was ridiculous that Deshaun Watson made. And I know people want to blame Matt Milano for that play, but that is totally not Matt Milano's fault. That's just Deshaun Watson t- making a superhuman play that only like two other people in the league could make. So, uh, you know, that's that's just a – tip of the cap to him and, and go from there. But really what needs to happen is Josh needs to learn from, from that game. I mean, quite simply in, in his first half was, was fine. He was playing a lot of the same way that he was. Uh, and one of the biggest points of demarcation last year was, you know, the week four loss to new England where he turned the ball over a bunch was making a, a ton of horrendous decisions that next week. It was a week, the week five game at Tennessee Allen was looked like a different guy. He wasn't taking as many risks. Um, he, he wasn't turning the ball over. I think from week five into the first half of that Houston game, he had he had like under six interceptions from from that point to from from those two points. So he he looked like a different guy. But once they started hitting some adversity, 
he reverted back to this player that just tried to win the game every single play. And you can't do that. You need to find a sweet spot. And him unraveling the way that he did inevitably cost them so many different opportunities to take the ball down the field and just take little gains as opposed to the big thing. I mean, everyone, the thing everyone remembers is him just chucking it across his body deep down the field to Patrick DeMarco, who is in double coverage. I mean, you know, everyone likes to make fun of DeMarco for that, that he was the deep field receiver, but that's because Allen made a terrible decision. Also the, the pitch to Dawson Knox when he was about to get tackled. I mean, these are, these are errors that you cannot make in those, in those instances. So he needs to learn. And, and it's not to say it's a total damning factor on him. You know, he's, he's got to go through his lumps. And one of the best things about him as a quarterback is that he is not stubborn. He is willing to change. He's willing to take on constructive criticism and to work on things. And we've seen a lot of examples of where he has gotten better, but he needs to find the sweet spot between reckless and risk averse because a lot of times in the NFL, you see quarterbacks get risk averse. And we've seen it a lot of times in Buffalo, Trent Edwards, Tyrod Taylor. These are two examples of risk averse quarterbacks to where, yeah, they're efficient, but at what cost? You're not really moving the ball down the field too often. And then you get reckless like JP Lossman. Um, and then Josh Allen has been reckless for a bit in his career. So he needs to find that sweet spot and, and if he doesn't, then we'll just have to see what happens after this season. But it behooves him to make those gains because this year is such a huge one for, for him, not only because it's his third season, but also because at the end of it in May, the Bills have to make a decision on his fifth-year option. And this will be the first time that NFL teams have to make that decision knowing that it locks in the guaranteed money for that fifth year. So in previous years, they could go, okay, we'll exercise the fifth year option. And then once they get through the fourth year, they're like, you know what? Actually, we're good. We're not, we're not going to do that. We're going to let him be a free agent. Now it locks it in. And that's going to be a 20 plus million dollar decision. So the bills need to see some things from him this year. And no excuses. They gave him step on digs. They, they surrounded him with some, some players. And that leads really into um, another category. They went and drafted Zach Moss. So now they have two running backs, Singletary and Moss. You would think that they're, you think that's going to be a tandem of like, you know, go back and forth. You know, they're going to play pretty much, you know, or Singletary still going to carry the ball a lot with that. Now I'm hearing that they're still going to pass more than they even did last year. Um, Cause I know that um, B, uh, McDermott gets uh, criticized for being a run first play defense, get 19 point points and hope to win that way. And I don't think it looks like that's going to be the way it seems like they want to do more, you know, have more offense. They mean want to score 24 points or more. Well, of course they want to, but you know, they're going to think that's what it's mm-hmm. going to take. So they go out, like I said, they get digs. They add another running back in the draft. Um, are they set at running back? Do you think these two guys will share the load, or do you think that Singletary is still the one guy, one, and then the one A, one B? I think it. I think it's more one A, one B than than not. I think in the early part of the season, just because the Bills like to bring along their rookies fairly slowly, that we'll see a bit more of Singletary. But I think in Brian Dable's vision, he's flashing back to what he was exposed to in new England. I mean, that, this is, that was an offense and he spent 11 seasons with Bill Belichick. That was an offense that predicated themselves on always attacking the weakness of the opponent that they spot on film in the week of preparation. And they, I mean, just, just think back to all those years with Brady. You think you, you see them pass 
50 times in the game before. And you're like, oh, well, that, that's, that's the way they're going. They're going to get the ball to Julian Edelman or Wes Welker 16 times in a game. And then the, the week that they play against you, it's like, okay, here's LeGarrette Blunt for 30 carries. I mean, that's just how Brian Dable cut his teeth in the NFL. And that's why he has players with complementary skill or, you know, not complementary. They, they have players with differing skill sets. Right. And that, that's the case with Singletary and Moss. So I really think it all depends on what weaknesses they spot in their opponent. I think with um, when you would utilize Sing- Singletary in more of a, a feature back way, um, it would be when defenses have a bit slower of linebackers that can't really get sideline to sideline too often, or they have a defensive end who likes to cheat and doesn't contain the edge as well as he should be. That's where Singletary is at his best. It's not running between the tackles. It's, when, when they can pin the defensive end inside and then he gets outside of them and then Singletary is able to use his really great vision to get more yards after the carry. That's what makes him a unique runner. Um, Zach Moss is the opposite of that. You know, one of his weak spots was running the ball to the outsides. That's, that's, that's not really his game. Where he is great is running between the tackles, having the vision to see how the offensive linemen are setting up their blocks and how the linebackers are coming down and, and all of these different things. And, and then having the explosiveness and the power to, to keep going uh, with, um, with more yards after the initial contact, that's where he comes into play. So the bills have these two skill sets that, and, and when, when they would utilize Moss, it would be if a team has a weaker run defending my middle linebacker or the defensive tackles are, are poor at the point of attack. So I think it's it's just really going to be matchup based, and I know fantasy football fans are going to be like, "Well, that does me no good." Well, they don't care about your fantasy football team. <laughs> uh, they, they 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 will do whatever is best on a weekly basis. And some weeks it'll be Moss, some weeks it'll be Singletary, I, I would guess. And and you know they both have third down ability and can catch the ball out of the backfield to make themselves a little bit more, a little bit less uh, predictable as they were last year. I hope they're not a coach in the NFL that worries about fantasy yeah. play. I'm sorry, that made me yeah. chuckle. So it was um, it's three to one Tampa, by the way. And I'm rooting for the Islanders. Um, <laughs> that made me laugh about the fans. They don't care. Like, well, I hope not. Or the or now you can bet during games, and that's going to be a whole. You know, of course, now you no know, fans in the stands, so we'll see. Uh, you know, that can go. So uh, real last quick about player I, Gilliam. He was our fullback. Reggie Gilliam, mm-hmm. and I, you know, he made the team so far, but he switched him to tight end, or just they gave a tight end number. Did he officially switch to tight end? What's going on with Gilliam? That's uh, there's not much. Well, I'm still not allowed to talk about positions. Okay. Um, I know. Don't <laughs> get yourself in trouble. Yeah, um, no, I'm still I'm still not allowed. But I think I, I can talk about skill sets, and I think his skill set is has potential to evolve and and maybe more of an H back role. I mean, he's, he certainly has the ability to block. I've seen that from him in practice. Um, He is a little bit more athletic than what you would, uh, you would anticipate from a fullback. So that, but he's in a smaller package. So I think there's going to be in the games that he is active, uh, there's going to be a role for him and he's going to have to contribute on special teams. Is he going to be active week one? I'm not sure. I don't, I, I don't know. That's necessarily going to be the case. Um, but from, uh, with that said, I think he, uh, gives them something a little bit different than what DeMarco did while still allowing them to have a fullback when they need to, I, I do think he can give them reps there. So, uh, from, from, from this point forward, I, I think it's just them trying to get him to grow and, and, 
and grow into that role that Brian Dable sees fit and then giving Dable one more toy to, or one more chess piece to kind of throw into the mix at, at their, uh, at their opponents. Yeah. I, I, he, he invested, he wanted to come on my show already. I mean, I was all set. I was getting ready. His story is incredible. How he came to Buffalo, how he, he traveled across, I, you know, he came across, he did all his own to so, Hey, look, I want to play football. And he ended up in Buffalo and, because I didn't know he's actually right now. I'm told I can't come on any shows. I'm like, okay. So, <laughs> and then I see this happening. Now, again, this is only about our So, a number got switched to a tight end number. So, whatever that means, that means. I mean, I'm not breaking anything here. Um, you know, I just read that out there. And then, like I said, you already know this. So, yeah, don't get yourself in trouble. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I understand it. I mean, I yeah. coach is not a little tight wise when it comes to that stuff. They don't, you know, because, you know, gosh forbid, if some coach knows something. Well, the good, the good news is I'll be able to talk about things once everybody sees it on Sunday. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, all right. Well, man, that's good. Uh, you know, um, uh, you know, as uh, Mike Schultz, any questions for me? Uh, what do you think about <laughs> no, and no fan? You think that no fans in the stands is going to affect the way the players play in the NFL? Or, you know, some, um, some stadiums are going to have fans. I don't think it's fair. I think it needs to be either all or nothing. Not all fans, but, you know, every stadium either can have some fans or they don't have us in loud because not like it's, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, well, in the case of, like, Miami, who gets 13,000 fans a game, honestly, I don't know that it's really going to make that much of a difference, uh, just from a noise perspective. I don't think that's going to that's gonna do it. Buffalo, normally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. But, uh, but I still think players are going to be able to hear what the other team is calling. Um, that's that's going to be the biggest thing that teams have to adjust to, whether or not, you know, they, they have uh, – they change up their terminology from – from one half to the next to keep throwing the defense off, whether or not they go to hand signals, do they go to those cardboard cutouts like they do in college football? Um, all of these, all of those different elements. And so that's kind of the game within the game that I'll be interested in watching because of the no fan factor. But I, I think fans, if, if it's safe and it's okay and they do it in a, in a, in a safe way, I think front offices, everywhere in the NFL are rooting for fans to be in the stands because if they are, if they are, that's revenue that will be shared amongst the teams, which also means that the salary cap floor will could become higher than that 175.9 million figure that they set out for them, which would give teams, especially like the bills who are getting closer to the cap uh, than they have been in a lot of years, uh, more flexibility when it comes to re-signing guys like, Matt Milano, John Feliciano, you know, insert name here. So, yeah, all of the, all of the, well, Allen, Allen won't be, they'll be fine with him because he'll still be on his rookie deal. Um, and then he'll have the fifth year option if they, if they exercise it. But Milano is the most pressing one because he's going to be into the 10, 11, 12, $13 million range I would anticipate. All right. Well, thanks a lot. Um, are you allowed to make predictions where you think the Bills will go this year? Are you allowed to- <laughs> uh, I mean, I got I got them eleven and five, twelve and four, maybe. But it's hard to say. Every team is different every year. You can't base off last year, so yeah, eleven and five. I think they're gonna, they're going to have a tougher schedule this year. Some some tougher opponents. Um, and I think I think a ten win season is well within reach, and, and I think that'll be good enough to win the AFC East this year. So I, I I would I would say ten and six and and being the uh, getting a home playoff game. That that'll be my prediction for them. All right, which, which I was actually – uh, you know Mark Gaughan, right? He, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, he was on my show. That was my last one. It just came out the other day. So I asked him about a playoff bubble system for – it's a playoff city. And he mm. said 
he doesn't he doesn't know if any, he doesn't expect any to be back this year, but he doesn't know he doesn't know if it's possible to do uh, playoff levels. So even if Buffalo's right. a home game, will it even be in Buffalo? I right, mean, fair. Y'all did it right. NHL, NBA, they're doing a look at zero percent. They're doing a great. Um, and baseball is opposite, but again, that was a little, that was a little tougher. I, I, you know, so I'm hoping that by I'm hoping by then it's all gone. But I thought it was gone. Aren't we by, all? <laughs> I thought it'd be, it be gone by May. So you know, but uh, well, it seems like you're doing healthy. You're doing good, and really, congratulations on moving up the ladder. Hey, look, you finally got on my show. Where you. else are you gonna go? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. All right, sir. Yeah. All right. Um, you got. You just take care. Have a great season. Maybe I can have you again on later on in the season, and we'll, we'll go from there. And, you know, I wish you well. Sounds great, Ron. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, and best of luck this year for you and your show, too. Uh, thanks a lot. All right, everybody. This is Ranting Ron with Joe Biscalia from The Athletic, <laughs> formerly Channel 7, formerly WGR, and one of the greatest football minds in our town. Everybody, have a great night. Okay, I'll just stop recording here.